Good evening and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Cock and this program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8. In it I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And I'm very happy to tell you that uh, we've never had a plastic surgeon on this program, but Dr. Alastair Lamont is one such plastic and reconstructive surgeon. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. And it's a great honor for us to have you uh, just before Christmas, because this is the last uh, people of note before Christmas. So perhaps it's a good time to wish you all a happy Christmas as well. But before we go any further, uh, tell us why you are called a plastic surgeon. Where does that, how does that name come about? Very good. It comes from the, uh, our forefathers, or s more senior members who were classical scholars. And the word plastikos in Greek and Latin means to shape, to form, or to change. So the plasticity of human tissues is where our name comes from. So we change things, bend them, improve them, both for appearance and mainly for function, which of course are related. And when they've been bent out of shape, I'm sure also. Bend them back again as, yes. uh, as far <laughs> as it is possible. Yes, indeed. And you've obviously been practicing as a plastic and reconstructive surgeon for a long time. It's and I mean that in the nicest possible way. Thank you very much. Yes, um, <laughs> I know some good plastic surgeons. <laughs> no, um, I started, I qualified as a plastic surgeon in 1980, so it's getting on. It's getting yeah. on. And was this always something you wanted to do? Absolutely not. I, I had knew nothing about plastic surgery as an, as an undergraduate. I got into medicine as a kind of, well, if they'd accused me of following in my father's footsteps, I would have de denied it. But two of my three uncles were doctors and my father was a doctor. So I felt comfortable in medicine. Uh, and it's a long story. I went to overseas, and we'll talk about that probably because it comes into the story. Uh, to start medicine, but didn't get into Glasgow University for various reasons. So I came home. My father worked in the government service. And so thinking of going to Cape Town, he said, no, no, my boy, that bicycle against the wall, you get onto it and you go down to Tuckies, and that's where you will study. And while you're passing, I'm paying. And after that, it's up to you. So, so did, did you grow up in Pretoria? I grew up in Pretoria for practical purposes. And my uh, medical, basic medical degree was at uh, Pretoria University. And you've remained in this Gauteng area pretty well, well your whole life, but you've no, obviously been away at some I've time. I've been away a lot. I, I couldn't get out of Pretoria fast enough. Did my husbandship in Addington in Durban, uh, mainly to work for a, an uncle who was a brilliant physician. And then in the course of my life, I met this wonderful Scottish girl and married her eventually. So I promised her that I'd spend some time in Scotland. So to continue the attempt to follow a family tradition of Glasgow graduates, we went back to the west of Scotland where I did my specialization or started specialization in surgery. And to come back to your question, I only got into plastic surgery because I was advised that it's a nice thing to do. And when I arrived there, I fell in love with the speciality immediately. I started life in surgery as an orthopedic surgeon, uh, which is quite similar to plastic surgery, very technically orientated, uh, but got into plastic surgery because I worked in a very prestigious center, which was highly inspiring. And your first choice of music, appropriately, since you were in Glasgow, is yes. Highland Cathedral. Well, my first appreciation of music was my father could play the pipes. And I used to make him walk round and round the house so that the music would wax and wane, which I found quite exciting at the age of four or five. Uh, the pipes are one of my favorite instruments because they are equally enjoyable when in a confined space, deafening, or coming through the mists from far away. 
And this is uh, a local recording, Oki Femulen on organ and Liam O'Flaherty playing the bagpipe. The famous Highland Cathedral by Michael Korb and Uli Röver. The choice of Dr. Alastair Lamont, who's my guest in People of Note. And since you said that there's a tradition of uh, going to Glasgow uh, to study surgery, is Alastair, it sounds Scottish, is it? Although Lamont's a Scottish family? Oh, yes, Lamont is a Southern Highland clan. Uh, so it's not Lamont, it's actually Lamont, uh, which is mispronounced south of the border all the way down to Cape Town. <laughs> My cousin Norman Lamont surrendered to the Sassenach south, of, south yeah. of the border and calls himself Norman Lamont, but in fact it's Lamont. And I see uh, in your uh, peregrinations you've also been in Cape Town at some stage. Well... We had a long journey after Addington Hospital, my husbandship. We spent some time in Namibia, uh, which we could talk about at Were some Were you stage. by now married? Uh, yes, I got married in the fifth year before qualifying. Oh, before you left university. So this girl took, Gosh, on, that a, was quite took on a huge risk. A yeah. guy with a bad matric and unqualified. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we've made a success of it. It's now our 50th year of marriage. So, Congratulations. So uh, she's steered me through the path of qualifying as a doctor and then eventually specializing. So to spend some time at home for her, we went to Scotland to study and specialize. So home for her was Scotland also. Indeed, yes. Yeah. Although I've been trying to turn her into an African, unsuccessful. She is a Scot by, by nature and by breeding. But she's been here in this country, living apart from the times in Scotland since 1967. So. Okay. And what about your interest in music? Did you study music at school in some way? I had some exciting times, but it was really just an afterthought to fill in free time at school. So, Wh- Which was the school? Boys High in Pretoria. Boys High. Yes. Yeah. So which is a famous music school. Absolutely. Yeah. They had bands, and Forty the Pipe Band wasn't operating at that stage. There was. I was offered a space, uh, a place to sing in an, in operas, which they produced every second year. Was that year, the Gilbert and Sullivan Indeed, tradition, the yes. whole tradition of Gilbert and Sullivan, and I refused that. I don't know why. So I've never performed music. I, I did piano lessons for a brief time after eight lessons, finding that I couldn't play any Beethoven, yet I, dis- I was disappointed and found that the hi-fi works better. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I see your next choice is an organ piece, and I wondered yes. if perhaps you'd been an organist somewhere. No. I, uh, my Only a, a surgeon who deals with organs, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, not just the skin. There's all sorts yeah. of organs we get involved with. Uh, as a teenager, we were members of the, the Presbyterian Church in Pretoria, and there was a man called Mr. Bryant who used to play organ music early in the morning. I remember bef- him. Before because, the services. Because when he left Pretoria, he came to Joburg. Really? Yes. I remember him. When I first came to Joburg 40 years ago, he was the organist of St. Columbus. That is amazing. Yeah. You know, the world is so small. Yeah. Anyway, he, I used to sneak in and sit at the back and listen to this wonderful music in this beautiful church. And that was probably my earliest real interest in music. Yeah. And so that's why this piece of Bach, which is pretty hit parade kind of common music, it would be lovely to hear. But it's a great piece. The Toccata mm. and Fugue in D minor. The organist is Bodevain Skolten, and this recording is made in the Endler Hall in St- That was the Toccata and Fugue in D minor by Johann Sebastian Bach. It was played by Bodevain Skolten on the organ in the Endler Hall in Stellenbosch. Now, obviously you grew up in Pretoria and 
you did you do post matric as well? Or did you? No, you didn't do post matric at school, but you just no. That's a, exactly yeah? right. That set me on the course. I uh, to follow the family tradition of Glasgow graduates. I went off to Glasgow at the age of seventeen. I mean, oh, it was okay. crazy. Onto the Cape Town Castle, sailed off to Southampton. I uh, met a friend in London who took me to the Albert Hall for a concert. That was really exciting. D- can I just interrupt one moment? Because yes. obviously you enjoy music. Oh, yes. I mean, you've, you go, you've been to concerts when you were a student. This yes. is a very good thing. Well, you know, it slowly emerged as a, as a, a refuge in one's life. And there have been several references. You, you interviewed a chap uh, recently who said that uh, emotions and music are so connected. And one, I just read a book uh, by a man who, who spends time looking into the fire. He said because it sterilizes and cleans and focuses your mind. And us Africans enjoy sitting looking into the bush television. <laughs> so, and I'm mad about the bush and we'll s- certainly talk about that. But, um, but you were on your way to Scotland. Sorry, yes, I interrupted now, you. Yeah. Yes, to, so to follow, follow this, uh, arrived in Scotland on the 15th of January 1962. And there was this silly blonde girl with beautiful blue eyes who was such an idiot, I decided I'd never have anything to do with her. And she had similar feelings about me. <laughs> But we got to know each other, and we became very close friends. And uh, seven years later, she became my wife. So while in Scotland, um, basically it was a post-matric, and it it helped me to get through first year university at uh, Pretoria. I had a very bad matric, but thanks to Pretoria University, they accepted every anybody with a matric exemption. Forget about your grades. He said, this is not school. This is university. And you need here to work if you're going to get into second year. But this is quite interesting now because uh, to get into med school these days, you really have to have good results. Well, you know, I got into the academic scene in in, uh, medicine and and met various deans. And the selection for people to make them into a doctor is a very difficult process. Do you do it by interview or do you do it by grades? Uh, It's a combination of both. I know that I got into Glasgow University at the interview, but I failed enough exams to exclude me from entry, so I had to come back to South Africa and study at Pretoria. <laughs> Which you did, obviously with great success, because... Yes, uh, I enjoyed my six years there. It I was, mean, here you are, fun. many years on, still practicing. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, past myself by date, some people might say, but uh, enjoying my work. Well, and just a question on that. Is there a shortage of plastic surgeons here? I don't think so. I, no. It's quite a popular speciality, and so I think we're probably pretty fully subscribed. There were about 60 plastic surgeons in our association when I qualified in the early 80s. There's now about 120, if not more. Oh, so it's growing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, we could get into the whole media thing and the popularity of plastic surgery and, and uh, the real meaning of what is plastic surgery all about and our conflict with the programs like the botched programs, which is quoted in my consulting rooms very often. Uh, I have a very passionate feeling about trying to get a realistic approach to what is plastic surgery in the public eye. And maybe we can talk about that at some stage this morning. Well, your next choice, and I guess uh, this would have been something that you heard in the concert halls as you've traveled around the world, is the Piano Concerto No. 1 in E minor by Chopin. Jan Hijo is the pianist with the Cape Philharmonic Orchestra, conducted by Ariane Tin. That was music by Chopin, the piano concerto number one. It was the second movement, the Romanza, played by Jan Hijo with the Cape Philharmonic Orchestra under Ariane Tin. And it's the choice of Dr. Alastair Lamont, a plastic and reconstructive surgeon, who's my guest in People of Note. 
the the reason for the for the um, Chopin piano concerto, I went into a record shop deciding I would now start to collect classical music, and I knew absolutely nothing about music. I went, there was this man, and I said, I want to collect classical music. He said, Do you know what you want? I said, No. He handed me a uh, LP and said, Listen to that. You will like it, and I did. And it was Chopin's first piano concerto which was of course composed second and his second piano concerto yeah. was, was yeah. which was published second was the first one so i really enjoyed that music and it lived with me and i studied for hours to that music uh, while doing my undergraduate as well as my postgraduate now if you studied to music i'd be quite interested to know if you have music in the theater when you're operating absolutely absolutely definitely, definitely. Not always. Uh, I had a music system which, I, which was quite portable. I used to carry it around, but it was stolen out of my car in Vintuk. So I sort of ceased that for a while. But my current, well, my previous anesthetist and my current uh, colleague uh, has this little system, which I know nothing about, but she can switch it on and play wonderful music. So we Always can, classical. Always classical. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Rodney Trudgeon's famous, uh, most popular word is an eclectic collection of music. So I have a fairly wide appreciation of music. There's a few exceptions, but it's basically classical music. And we can spend a whole day listening to all Beethoven symphonies. <laughs> well, and your next choice, I see, is Beethoven. It's uh, from his piano concerto number five. We're also going to hear the slow movement, Adagio and Poco Mosso. Vasily Primakov is the pianist with the Joburg Philharmonic Orchestra under Noam Zur. That was the second movement of the Piano Concerto Number no. 5 in E-flat major by Beethoven. Vasily Primakov was the pianist and the Joburg Philharmonic Orchestra was conducted by Noam Zur. You say that the um, amount of plastic surgeons has been growing since 1980. Are you involved at all in the training of oh, plastic surgeons? Absolutely. When I finished my I came back from Scotland, got off the boat, uh, intending to follow a career in plastic surgery, but I needed time. I needed to complete my training program. So I went to see a wonderful old man called Yanni Lowe, who was the head of surgery at Hrutskir, and he gave me a job in neurosurgery because there was no place in plastic surgery. So I spent a fantastic three months wait working for a wonderful man called Kay de Villiers, who's recently uh, left us. A wonderful man, wonderful philosophy. And... Um, Eventually, after nagging the the next head of surgery enough, I got a post in plastic surgery and finished my training at Hrutskir. I then was offered a job at Tigerberg, which is across the Rubicon. <laughs> and because I'm fluent in Afrikaans, that was no problem to me. And I enjoyed eight years, very, very productive and happy eight years, training plastic surgeons, getting into modern plastic surgical technology, which we can perhaps also talk about at some stage. But that was an exciting time of my life, which I enjoyed very much. And are we in South Africa sort of on top of the game of plastic surgery? It sounds like it from what you say. Absolutely. You know, I visited America and watched the way they muck about, where we can do more work in a, on a Friday morning than they do in a week. I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration, I'm sure. But I was impressed with the fact that we can hold our candle to anywhere in the world. And, and even in the National Service, where I did a bit of... I did three months of plastic surgery, which turned my lights on. Uh, we do pretty good work here. And, and I've had visitors come to our wards at Tigerberg and be astounded with what we are able to achieve. And 
is the ground good? Well, I mean, this is a funny expression, but is is it good ground for tilling here in terms of plastic surgery? Is there a lot to do in the way of plastic surgery? Because I'm thinking, I know that our hospitals are filled with, um, and it doesn't sound very nice, but there are a lot of uh, like stab patients and motor mm. accidents and things which mm. need good plastic surgeons. Yeah, you see, to get into the to the definition of the spectrum of plastic surgery, it it, it amplifies your question. Uh, Professor Walker, the head of department at Wits here, uh, who was part of my exam uh, many years ago, had a wonderful definition for plastic surgery. He said it's a collection of techniques which can be applied all over the body at all ages. So we get mixed up with congenital abnormalities and the repair or like cleft lip and palate, which is the commonest craniofacial abnormality, uh, abnormality of limbs, etc., uh, etc. Et so that is sort of the earlier stage. But then as life goes on, people get involved in accidents, and then there's uh, my special interest at Tiger Woods, lower limb reconstruction, uh, rehabilitating people who would have had an amputation and can be put back in the labor force, rather than being a, 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 burden, on a burden to society yeah. and the state for the rest of their lives, and a normal life expand, uh, uh, yeah. expectation. So that was a wonderfully exciting time. And then uh, more senior people with cancers, reconstruction after massive re- resections in the head and neck area. So it's a very broad spectrum. And, plast- and and cosmetic surgery, which we're bound also to get into at some stage, and which is the whole popular vision for plastic surgery, is actually just a part of reconstructive surgery. Yeah. And my mission to the listeners out there is that if you don't understand the rules of reconstructive surgery, you should not be doing cosmetic surgery. Well, we'll come on to that in due course. But uh, your next choice is about awakening of cheerful feelings upon arrival in the country. This is also by Beethoven, and this is appropriate because we're just days away from the year uh, in which Beethoven would have turned 250. So 2020 is going to be a big celebration of Beethoven, and here come those cheerful feelings. That was the first movement from the Pastoral Symphony by Beethoven, awakening of cheerful feelings upon arrival in the country. Johannesburg Philharmonic Orchestra under Ariantin. The choice of Alastair Lamont, who's my guest in People of Note, and it's uh, this Sunday night is the last of these programs before Christmas, so we all join in wishing you all, in a few days' time, a happy Christmas. And thank you for listening to the program. We're just going to take a short break, and we'll be back after. Welcome back to part two of People of Note on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Koch, and my guest tonight is Alastair Lamont, who's a plastic and reconstructive surgeon. I notice, Alastair, one of the places that you've listed on uh, your list of where you've worked is Rundu in Namibia. Yes. This is quite a remote place. It's it's so remote that that's why I went there. <laughs> uh, I was I was our first child was born at, at just after the end of my housemanship, and I realized that I have about four years of freedom before this little guy has to go to school. So let's do something crazy. I had a, a colleague, a senior colleague, who did the uh, South uh, African mission to the South Pole as the doctor and the the carer of the dogs, and I would love to have done that, but I'm married, and if you leave a little lady behind for 18 months, you come back, she's found another fellow. So... <laughs> so we needed to do something wild. And one of my colleagues said, there's a place north in the north of Southwest Africa. I wanted to go to Oshikati. was one of my friends yeah. went and worked there. He said, no, Oshikati is a terrible place. You need to go to Runtu. I said, where is that? He said, don't worry about where it is. The guy needs men. Write to him. You will get the job. 
And to cut a long story short, we left Durban and did a five-day journey with a nine-week-old baby all the way up to Runtu. And when I didn't know and couldn't find it on the maps, I decided that's exactly where I wanted to go. It's remote. It was very remote. Sheena, my wife, didn't really enjoy it. There were no English-speaking people in town. Uh, she was very Scottish and had to learn how to make sausages and bake bread. But it was a wonderful training period for us as a couple. And for me, as a as a emerging doctor, I learned to stand on my own two feet in Runtu. Boy, you had to be able to make a plan because there were sick people and you had to deal with it. So... For two years, I did about as broad a general medical practice as is possible. We dealing with everything? Dealing with everything from obstetric emergencies, gunshot wounds, leprosy, uh, public health issues where people are getting typhoid. Where's the water coming from? Get the water guy. Let's go out there and find the village. It was a fascinating job. And I applied for a year and stayed for two because it was so enjoyable. Yeah. And obviously, this love for Africa is something deep inside you also. Yes. Because I, I know you enjoy going to the bush and to Kruger and so on. So there's That's obviously right. something deep inside you. Yes, absolutely. The the, the bush. You know, I, I tease my uh, more pigmented Afri uh, South African uh, compadres and say, don't look at the color of the skin. I'm an African. <laughs> and I enjoy this. And I enjoy the cultures uh, of Africa. And, I, and to touch slightly on the political thing, the freedom that we now have to discuss our cultures with each other is just to me so exciting and yeah. I, I enjoy it and working amongst those people up in a fairly primitive uh, part of Africa uh, I was very proud standing in ward rounds in Cunningsburn Hospital in Scotland telling them that I could provide as good a service to the man in in the bush as they were doing in the west of Scotland and so there was a, a good working hospital in Rundu oh yes a small uh, hospital with a very strict superintendent who didn't allow us to do any heroic surgery. There was good transport if we needed people to be taken away uh, for treatment beyond our capabilities. The Air Force was very uh, operative, in, and so we could put people on a plane and fly them down to Vintuk. And I had a few adventurous times in the back of small aircraft with very sick people. It was uh, very exciting. Because yeah. I was talking the other day to um, a doctor who was working in a, f a hospital, a small hospital, in the cane fields in Natal. And he told me how someone had come in with a, like a cane knife stuck in his head one day. So I'm sure you've had some odd things too. Oh, in your yes, yes. Arrived home from uh, Vintuk. We used, to, we used to go down to Vintuk to do uh, fetch equipment for the hospital, do court cases. We did all the medical legal stuff up there. It's a long story, but I arrived home after a very exhausting trip from uh, Vintuk. It's about 800 kilometers away. Uh, I had to load my own vehicle, oxygen cylinders and stationery and all sorts of because there'd been a strike on. I arrived home exhausted, got into bed. Half past 10, the phone rings. said, Alistair, you've got to come and help us. We are in deep trouble here. We've got a guy with a gunshot wound to the pelvis, and we're both exhausted. Now, the other two guys, one was recovering from malaria, and the other one was so exhausted he could hardly stand. So I got in there uh, and eventually edged them out of the way and, and, a, and a wonderful theater sister. We had the privilege of two highly qualified, very capable theater sisters. And good old Norma Pavard and I got stuck into this pelvis and tied off the, the vein that was bleeding and saved this man's life. He'd been shot. Circumstances completely uninteresting to me. He was a man in trouble and I, th I think he was probably a terrorist, but I don't know. And it didn't matter to me. So we fixed him up. And the man survived the uh, a terrible injury. And so that's the kind of exciting thing we were involved in. So th 
half past three the next morning, we walked out feeling terribly proud of ourselves. <laughs> and needing, I should think, some sound of silence. Indeed. That was the sound of silence, Simon and Garfunkel, in an arrangement by Mark Chain, one of our local musicians here in Joburg. And I see that uh, amongst other places, not Southwest Africa, but you also, or Namibia, you worked in Botswana as well. Well, I mean, you've really been around Africa quite a lot. Well, that's exactly right. When I look at the atlas, there's not many places I haven't been. So that's great. Um, I got into Botswana because I met a colleague of mine uh, whom I hadn't seen for a while. I was at his wedding in Vintuka Chapel, Alistair Orford. Uh, his elder brother was a very good friend of ours in Vintuka. And he, I said, yeah, you must come around for a bit. He said, too late. I'm going off to Botswana to run the new private hospital. I said, well, when you need a plastic surgeon, phone this number. So for about 20 years, starting in the mid-90s, I did a service as a visiting consultant in Gaborone. Starting when it was quite small, I'm sure. The hospital yeah. was, was very new, run by an Irish company, but eventually handed over to a local Yeah, because uh, yeah, I used to go to Botswana quite a lot from about 1976 onwards, and it, uh, Gabs was quite a small place in those days. You know, but it's grown tremendously now. When they found diamonds and got uh, this massive injection, uh, the place became a huge city with glass-fronted yeah. buildings and not a village anymore. Yeah, because I used to go and visit Maruapula School, which was way outside Gabs in those mm -hmm. days, sort of deep in the bush. Mm -hmm. Now it's just part of the city. Part of Quite the incredible. City. Yes. Um, and the bush, obviously you still go to the bush, you enjoy conservation efforts and wildlife? Yes, oh, that, that became a, an interest. I've, as a student, uh, as a rock climber, I was a member of an outdoor club and we used to have rock climbing, skin diving, hiking. I hate hiking because the thought of putting something on your back and carrying it is quite unnecessary. You put it in the back of a Land Rover and go there. So rock climbing is quite fun. And we used to do ringing of vultures in the Michalisberg yeah. as a part of our sort of climbing enjoyment. So that was one of the earliest things. And then I've got mixed up with rhino conservation uh, or surgery for rhinos which have been injured. And my latest interest is collecting money for the wild dog preservation campaign in the Kruger. So you're still involved in these yes, things? Yes, yes, indeed, yes. And uh, your family, you mentioned one child being born. How many children do you have? We have four. Uh, the eldest is is uh, was born in, in Addington and and grew up, his, his, formative, his early formative years were in uh, Southwest Africa, as it was in those days. Uh, he came, he arrived in Scotland with a South African accent, had a tough time at school, arrived back in South Africa with this broad Glaswegian accent, and had another tough time at school. <laughs> anyway, he became a field guide and historical guide and game ranger, and he was the one that got me involved in rhino repair for injured animals that had happened near a place where he was working. And any medicos amongst them? Well, I got mixed up with the vets, obviously, who are amazingly protective of their animals. You can't just get in there and try something that might work. They want a thorough research and a plan of action. So the, the research and investigation of the difference between human skin and rhino skin became a very interesting project. And I got mixed up with these wonderful people. And because I'm a, an ex-Tucky, going to, to Honest Put and yeah, yeah. getting mixed up with their efforts there was no problem to me. I enjoyed it very much. Well, here's someone who wrote The Carnival of the Animals, Camille Saint-Saëns. This is the second movement of his piano concerto number two. The pianist there was Philippe Entremont, and that was the piano concerto number two in G minor by Camille Saint-Saëns. 
The Philadelphia Orchestra was conducted by Eugene Ormandy, and that was the second movement, Allegro Scherzando, the choice of Dr. Alastair Lamont. Oh, maybe this is an interesting thing. Uh, plastic surgeons generally are called Mr., aren't they? Ah, yes. And why is that? Well, the, the divergence, you see, about 500 years ago, the surgeons were the guys with the sharp knives. They were the barbers. Uh, looked down upon by the physicians who were the healers, laying hands on people and letting blood out of various vessels. Uh, with leeches? With leeches. Well, no, just by cutting a hole and letting <laughs> it run into a bowl. You know, it was actually quite crude. Um, about 500 years ago, where they realized that you need to combine the two disciplines. And so I am a doubly qualified uh, undergraduate degree in Bachelor of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery. That's what's MBCHB, and it takes six years. Now, in Britain, uh, where you then become a surgeon again, you then regain the title of Mr. It's used in Natal, which is more British than the Brits, uh, but it's misunderstood by many people. And so, and why we call doctor is also a bit of a misnomer, because we actually do not have a MD in medical science. Yes. Both my father and one of my uncles had MDs. I've got college uh, master's degrees or equivalents of master's degrees, but I do not have an MD. So strictly speaking, in the scientific world, I should not be called a doctor. But by tradition, uh, plastic surgeons are mister, aren't they? Or not? Well, are yeah, they a doctor? Yeah, yeah. You're a doctor or mister. And yeah, I can okay. tell funny stories about the difference between the two. You know, you're a mister. Well, I thought at least you'd be a doctor. You know, this is a man, <laughs> in, a man in Glasgow. So... Um, Dr. Mr. Yeah, yeah. In Johannesburg, where the English thing survives, they are called Mr. Mr. Yeah. Yes, I, I thought that. And now I see your uh, next choice is by Mozart, and this is the music that was used for Out of Africa. So this brings us firmly back into that sort of African mold again. This mm -hmm. is the slow movement from the clarinet concerto. Donald Westlake is the clarinetist, and the Sydney Symphony Orchestra is conducted by Robert Pickler. That was the famous slow movement from the clarinet concerto in A major by Mozart. Donald Westlake was the clarinetist, and the Sydney Symphony Orchestra was conducted by Robert Pickler. This is the choice of Dr. Alastair Lamont, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. He's a plastic and reconstructive surgeon. When you go traveling, do you travel a lot? Well, I, I, you see... Uh, when I was head of department down in Tigerberg, it became Tigerberg was the was the sort of ultimate referral center for problem cases from uh, Southwest Africa and eventually Namibia. It became painfully obvious that it's cheaper to send an expert to Vintuk than to send 25 poor wretches down to Cape Town, where they feel out of their depth. Uh, most of them just need an opinion, not even surgery. So, in 1983, I had a very nostalgic return to Vintuk, where I'd worked for a year after coming out of the bush in Runtu. Uh, and enjoyed so much re-establishing uh, my contact with the country that I never missed a beat until the, until, I don't know, but I think I stopped working then about 2014. So I used to go very regularly, uh, consult and operate in Vintuk. My first income as a private practitioner in plastic surgery was at the Swakop uh, Cottage Hospital, where one of my old drinking partners, a chap called Jamie Pretorius, phoned me and said, look, we need a plastic surgeon here to do little scars and little skin cancers. Uh, would you come down and work for Rossing Mine in Swakop in the Cottage Hospital? I said, sure. He said, we'll pay you. I said, how do I get there? He said, the flight leaves at quarter past four. I said, I'll be there. <laughs> so I started a very, very enjoyable uh, association with Swakopmund and got fantastic friends in Valfus Bay. 
those people along the coast, you know, when you first go there, you think, what a godforsaken area of the world this is. But the spirit of the people there is wonderful. And I had some fantastic friends there and spent very enjoyable times there. So these were sort of fly-in-and-out trips. Yes, yes, fly-in-and-out. But to come back to your question, sometimes drive-in-and-out because you then spend a week working and then some guy's got a farm that needs to be visited. Uh, Beers need to be consumed. And so one goes to these places. Uh, One of my best friends has got a farm just south of the Tosha. It's very far away from here, but it's worth going there because it's so enjoyable just to sit in the bush and watch the springbok walking around the house. You know. Yeah. And have your, have your children gone with you on some of these trips? I mean, do they have a love yeah. of Africa? Yes. Things? Well, I've taught my two sons. Uh, I mentioned the older one who was yeah. in the game uh, industry. Eventually became a historical guide at Fugitive Drift, which he did very well. The second, and uh, then I've got two daughters in between, and then the fourth child is a, also a boy who also... Uh, did sort of commercial degrees at university, but as an antidote, we sent him on a 28-day uh, Fugasa One course, which he absolutely enjoyed. So my son can spot a leopard, no matter how <laughs> hard it tries to hide. He is absolutely, he's a leopard attractor. You take him to the bush, you'll see a leopard. Yeah. And he's just wonderful in the bush and loves it. Uh, but is an asset manager and he's organizing my pension at the moment <laughs> well that's useful too very yeah. now the two girls not that interested in the bush uh, but they have been on trips with me yes and uh, Zadok the priest is your next choice this was written for uh, the coronation of George the second I think and here it is this is the Ambrosian singers then the Menuhin festival orchestra conducted by Yehudi Menuhin Zadok the Priest by George Frederick Handel. That was Zadok the Priest by George Frederick Handel, the Ambrosian Singers and the Menuhin Festival Orchestra conducted by Yehudi Menuhin. And I see your next choice is a very interesting choice. Uh, music by Arvo Pert, mm. Spiegel im Spiegel, which is a calm, quiet piece, which probably reminds you of desert scenery or something, doesn't it? Well, you know, after a a nice comfortable whiskey at the end of a hard day's work, this music is just, it goes right into the base of your soul. And I think it is such a magic way of, you know, joy and and animation can lead to reckless decisions. But a little bit of melancholy is a great way of focusing your mind. And I find this music absolutely enchanting. And I heard it for the first time on Classic FM. So thank you very much for your station that has taught me so much about music. So are you a regular listener? All the time. (laughs) (laughs) I listen to nothing else. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, as I say, it's been such a wonderful uh, education for people like me who love music but know so little about it. So it's been a massive educational process. And... And, and enjoyable all along the way. Um, so, yes, thank you to you for there that. There we go. Classic 1027, the best station in the world. Here comes Spiegel im Spiegel. This is by Arvo Pert. Dietmar Schralke is the cellist, and Alexander Malta plays the piano. That was Spiegel im Spiegel by Arvo Pert. Dietmar Schralke was the cellist, and Alexander Malta played the piano. The choice of Alastair Lamont, who's my guest in People of Note. Do you get to concerts much here in South Africa? Uh, We're very naughty. Uh, Going to the Linda and listening to the concert is always so enjoyable. One of the things that frustrated me was that whenever I'm on a trip to Vintuk, those pieces of music that I want to go and hear are being played while I'm sitting in in, in Namibia. So 
We don't go regularly enough. And, and one of the problems about a full-time job, which I still do, although I've curtailed it, and we can talk about that, uh, is when you get home on a Wednesday or a Thursday evening, to go out then is kind of an effort. And so while it is so exciting, so exciting sitting in a concert hall and being part of the music, one of my greatest thrills in life, by the way, was a thing called Do-It-Yourself Messiah. I was working on one of my motor cars in my garden, and the chap that introduced me to um, Zadok the priest said, Alistair, get dressed. We're going down to sing in Do-It-Yourself Messiah. I said, what's all that about? He said, just get dressed and come with us. So we went into the into the uh, town hall in Cape Town, and the chap said, what are you, a tenor? I said, I don't know. He said, stand over there with those guys. <laughs> and I got into this thing. Now, I know nothing. I can't read music, but I know the Messiah. And so I had the most exciting experience being inside the music, you know, and, and experiencing it. And, and that yeah. to me was terribly exciting. So the answer to your question is we don't go enough. But uh, I met you recently at Baroque in the Bush, mm. and that's a very special experience too. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, to sit there and listen to these guys with their commitment to music and watching across the river a bunch of elephants deciding what to do next. That kind of peacefulness is yeah. just intoxicating. It is a very special thing. And I, I have said before, on not on this program, but on others, that Baroque in the Bush is a unique combination of music and good company and Absolutely. being in the Kruger. And yes. Uh, from day one, it was full. It's been a success from day one. It's been going some 25 years now. Yeah, well, this is my first one, and, and yeah. uh, it was terribly enjoyable. It's really good fun. So, yes. And I'm very grateful, to, of course, to all the people who've made it possible for us to continue that. And appropriately enough, here's the sort of music we might play, uh, music by Vivaldi. This is a concerto for viola d'amore and lute. Uh, Monique Frasca Colombier plays the viola d'amore and Narciso Yepes plays guitar. That was the concerto in D minor for viola d'amore and lute. Antonio Vivaldi, the composer, Monique Frasca Colombier played the viola d'amore and Narciso Yepes played guitar. The choice of Alastair Lamont, who's my guest in People of Note. Uh, one of the things I see coming up here is. Um, still Life at the Penguin Cafe, mm. uh, which I think was performed. It's a ballet. Yes. Actually. It was performed here. It is a modern ballet performed yeah. in Pretoria. That's right. We went across to listen Sponsored to that. Sponsored by Nedbank. I even remember that. Oh, well, well yeah. done to Nedbank. Yeah. Now, my wife got to hear of this and took me there. And then a general practitioner friend of ours said, come and listen to this music. You'll like it. And there it was, this yeah. music, which I then bought the CD. And it's kind of tragic stuff because it's all about conservation and the extinction of animals and you know we are in the sixth major extinction phase on the planet uh, there have been ones before and we're busy wiping out species uh, and we, we could go into climate change and the whole long discussion man has certainly had a contributing uh, hand in this game but the earth has changed before and it has survived so I am very confident as a naturalist that... Uh, yeah, we'll I think that since the beginning of time, probably something like 99% of all species have become extinct. About 270 million years ago, 95% yeah. of all species on Isn't Earth have wiped, wiped out, and we yeah. come from that. Yeah. But 270 million years is a long time, it so long there's time. enough time. <laughs> and I read a wonderful book by a geologist here at WITS who said uh, that when you read this book, you've got to change your mindset. 
things that happen quickly take 27 million years. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we can get our head around a thousand years, yeah. but a million years. And I'm in fact uh, a member of a trust called Gondwana Alive, ah. which is trying to stem the sixth extinction. So you should join us on this <laughs> trust. I've <laughs> yeah, got a lot of philosophies I could share there. <laughs> Here's Still Life at the Penguin Cafe. This is Prelude and Yodel, the BBC Concert Talk. That was the Prelude and Yodel from Still Life at Penguin Cafe, the BBC Concert Orchestra under Barry Wordsworth. And we've come to our last piece now in the program, which has been chosen by Alastair Lamont, a plastic and reconstructive surgeon. And it's Beethoven again, because next year, just a few days away, is the beginning of 250 years of Beethoven's life on earth, We're talking about 270 million. This was just 250 years ago. Mm. But uh, what an influence he had on music. And, you know, we, we sometimes forget these things, that the, he was a great revolutionary in his time. I absolutely agree. I, 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 people who know more about music, we've got a little music soiree group, and, and one of the musicologist ladies gets a bit impatient with my obsession with Beethoven. She would like more modern stuff and more uh, sort of unusual stuff. And I, thanks again to Classic FM for introducing me to unusual music that you wouldn't normally hear. Yeah. Uh, but Beethoven, I'm afraid, is so damn good. He he can draw the soul out of the depth of you and and make you think about you know really important things. Yeah. And and, uh, uh, and just tell us quickly about this. Um, uh, music appreciation group you have? Uh, it's a group of us that I got pulled into because yeah. I like music and uh, we get together. It's it's sort of coming to an end because it's, it's what these, these things tend to peter out. People move away, etc., etc. But I've had an enjoyable time. And again, we play music that you like, but also music which is unusual. Introduce people to things that they've probably never heard before. Difficult to do, but uh, there's so much. I mean, you came coming in here you mentioned to somebody a piece of, yeah. of music that you've not heard before. Yes, and for feeling. Richard Koch to make a statement <laughs> like that is quite <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's because there is so much music, of course. And I, it was a chamber piece by Fruling. We were talking to Kudluana Masote. Mm. Uh, I've definitely not heard it before. And what a charming piece it was. And it's so nice to, to hear different music because, yes. you know, some uh, stations just play the same stuff over and over again and well, it's very nice to hear different music and we do hear in people of note we hear very different music sometimes. yes i've noticed that yes yeah. so thank you for your choices uh, i've been talking to alistair lamont a plastic and reconstructive surgeon about his life and his work and his love of beethoven so that's where we're going to end the program which is the violin concerto and it's the beautiful slow movement joshua bell is the violinist and the salzburg mozart camerata is conducted by Sir Roger Norrington. <laughs> 